Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Rancid Taco Movie Review Podcast. I'm here with my, uh, oh wait, no, I fucked that up. Uh, who are you? <laughs> who am I? I'm Skylar Sanders, and I'm here with my mentally uh, incapable of understanding when time and place is our friend, Mason Weir. Time, time traversing friend. My my time traversing friend. There you go, man. I fucked that one up. This, this yeah. that's, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> so fuck it. Try fuck it. it. Keep you, can, you can bring it again. Bring it in again if you want. I'll save the best one. No, let's just keep it. Let's just give it to him raw and honest. Well, call me a rift walker because that is one that that transports between time and space. I've never heard of this term. What's rift walker? Mark wrote a, a series, a, a book of a series of books, and Riftwalker is one of the things that it's like a time traveler slash uh, interdimensional traveler. Hell yeah! Hey, shout out to uh, our new listener, Mark, and his uh, wife or girlfriend. 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 Yeah, shout out to them for listening to to some of our old podcasts and giving us some feedback. Yep, and I'm going to use the term Riftwalker just for that. All right, now we'll now officially refer to Ashton Kutcher as a rift walker. Well, we should probably say what what movie we're doing, and it's Bad Movie March now. Well, yeah. it, it was last week, but it's okay. It's still Bad Movie March, and we're selecting bad movies in terms of their Rotten Tomato grade, but that we actually like. And I remember liking this movie a lot when it first came out. Not as much now, but it's the butterfly effect, by the way. The butterfly yep. effect. It came out in 2004 and got 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. The butterfly effect. And I remember watching it when it came out too and liking it a lot. And I've got to say, I was not as impressed with it the second round. I wasn't super impressed with it, but I did still enjoy it. I have to say there's a lot of stuff I do enjoy about it, but there's there's one overriding factor that makes it really hard to watch for me. And it's mostly just like the acting. Which unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, is what I tend to focus on for the most part in movies. Because being a former actor, I uh, I, I really like good acting, and I found it hard to to believe these people's performances at times. It's pretty bad when Ashton Kutcher is the best member of the cast because he's not this tremendous actor. He he does a decent job in this movie. Yeah, he does sort of one thing well is a little too much of the Ashton Kutcher from like that 70s show and the other shit that he does and not enough of the character that matches the, or the actor that matches the character, I guess. So. Well, he plays Evan Treborn, which did you notice what that, what that means? No. Event Reborn. Oh. Evan Treborn is his character's name. <laughs> yeah. And if wow. you couldn't tell, this movie involves time travel. Well, it's a shame that that got wasted because that's the deepest part of the entire thing. Yeah, I, it's not a it's not a deep movie, and there won't be a lot to think about and chew on after you see it. But it is an enjoyable watch if you like kind of morbid. It's all like I think I liked it more than you because it's got some horror overtones and it's really dark, not funny, not happy, and you know I like movies like that every once in a while. 
Yeah, it does have it does have stuff I like in it though. That's the thing is like I, I do think it's a really good script and it's a winding script. I, I actually think there's plenty to think about, and that's its strong point, is that there's a lot going on. Like it, it, it kind of sells itself to us as a thriller with a bunch of twists almost, but at the same time the twists are kind of laid out for us. We're not really we don't have to do a whole lot of guesswork. So mm-hmm. the the writing I think is pretty good and the story is pretty good. The acting is not so great. And you know, musically, there's nothing amazing about it. But we'll we'll get into it a little further after we get into the cast. Oh yeah, my favorite part. Your favorite part. And we already talked yeah. about Ashton Kutcher as the lead. He's whatever. You know, he is what he is. Mm-hmm. But I want to merge two segments here and add a correction to the cast. And this is a dire, dark correction. All the way back on Varsity Blues, which luckily I already admitted to losing that podcast, so this is just furthering the loss. <laughs> I said I said that Amy Smart had been kidnapped and held captive for several months before being freed and becoming an actress. In fact, that's a completely different person named <laughs> Elizabeth Smart. Uh, they're, they're not related in the least. Amy Smart has always been fine not ever abducted (laughs) that and that i think maybe tops the john voight false death uh proclamation Uh, you said john voight was dead in that same podcast so anyone (laughs) anyone listening to varsity blues and that's the first time they hear hear the podcast they're going to be like god these guys are idiots this is how misinformation spreads yeah this is how it spreads but at least we have the balls to correct it so Amy That's Smart right. has probably lived a great life every day of her life, and John Voight still to this day is alive. Not only will we admit to being wrong, but we will actually preface most podcasts with the fact that we could be wrong. Yeah, and we were, well, I was really wrong about that one. You were so interested when I told you that, too, man. It was going to be such a great thing to have in there. Yeah, I know. I was really, and I, I thought about it during this movie, too. I was like, wow, she's really overcome some shit. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't overcome anything. She's probably living yeah, her life. Probably. <laughs> well, yeah. she uh, doesn't overcome a shitty acting performance in this one because she is really bad in this. She's horrible and uh also they just don't it really help her out much too. Like there's one scene where we go back and she's like a crack whore and uh they just make her look like a zombie, not even a real crack whore. They make her look even worse than a crack whore. I thought that was her best portrayal in the movie was when she was the crack whore. Yeah. Oh, I hate it. I was like the huge scar on the face, the alligator skin. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's the I scariest like, crack whore ever. Who's going to sleep with her? My God. She's terrifying. Yeah, that's how I was just like, this is, they, they really overdid it. Yeah, they did. Well, that, that's way down the line. But there is one other thing I want to point out in case I forget. There's a line she says later, and, and she starts the line by saying, blah, like, like, oh, blah. But she actually just says, blah. It's the worst pronunciation of it. It's obviously meant to be a sound that she's making, but she just says the word blah. Excellent, excellent onomatopoeia, uh, Amy Smart. It is the worst. I just every time I hear it, I just I get goosebumps of of cringiness. It's so bad. Yeah. Well, and that pretty much, I mean, that sums up all the important members of the cast, right? Nope, except nope. for except for Ethan Supley makes his third yeah. appearance on the podcast. We're going to have to interview him at some point. We need to call Ethan Stuffley and be like, listen, we accidentally chose you in a bunch of movies and we need your, I bet we need he would you. Do 
He might. He might do it. Is he's, he still alive? <laughs> yeah, he's alive and well, and he seems like a really cool guy. He's got so much range. I've got a lot of respect for him as an actor. Yeah, I do too. I like him a lot. So in the three movies that he's been in, he was a, a weird slacker in Mallrats. Mm-hmm. He was a uh, a racially sensitive, happy-go-lucky guy in Remember the Titans yeah. and The Singer. Not even, not even racially sensitive. He was blind to color. He was the glue that held the two teams together. And then in this one, he's a gothic pothead sex magnet. Or something. I mean, yeah. it's hard to describe his character. He, he's a really nice guy. He's a good roommate. and he... Yeah, I, I, I think he's a little bit miscast, but uh, he, he does a good job with it. He's, he hasn't given a bad performance yet. Yeah, he's, he's a highlight for me in the movie. And then it really uh, – I wanted to talk about the child actors because – this movie goes all over, you know, up and down timelines. And a lot of the time they're kids. And I, some of the kids I thought did a really good job. I looked up the cast members and I didn't really know any of them, but I thought some of them did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, I thought the kids were okay. I mean, they didn't distract too much except for the Tommy kid was kind of like constantly making this teeth gritting face. Like, oh, I'll fucking kill you. Like, I, I, I kind of got tired of that, but, uh, you know, he's a child actor. I'm not going to judge him too harshly. Tommy they did, they the served shit out of me. Yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah, he's the, a freaking psycho. The 13-year-old Tommy is the the reason the movie is scary, I think, at times. Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. I, I was like, man, I hope this kid dies a horrific death, but <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Uh, I, I, I think they all died horrific deaths at some point in the timeline, but, but we'll we'll get into that, too. And I'll, yeah. I'll save you from any other cast discussion because there's no one else really of note, I think, in this movie. Thank God. Yeah. You, you mentioned that you thought the mom was the worst actress you'd seen. Do you know her name? What her character's name was? No, I don't. Me, me either, because I really wanted to give her a shout out for being the worst actress so far that we've seen. Well, Evan's mom, you were, you were pretty bad. Yeah. So let's... let's... It just, it, looked, it reminded me of like, uh, a girl in high school playing a role where you're just like, I don't believe you at all. But yeah, that's the cast. They suck. They it generally suck. Yeah. Yep. So let's get into the meat of the movie. And we already said it's a time travel movie, so it's really hard to make a, a you know, a, a comprehensive storyline out of a time travel yeah. movie. And I think they did We're, a pretty good job in this one. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of jumping back and forth. It's pretty clear in the movie. Like, it's really easy to follow in the movie, so it's it's not it's not that bad. So we start out with the uh, Evan, Ashton Kutcher's character, scrambling around a psychiatrist's office. He's locked himself inside an office at night, and he's scrambling for some journals to write something down. You're not supposed to know what's happening really right now. It's just that mm-hmm. he seems insane and frantic. And so we, we go from that. He's, he's drawing in the journal back to the past for the first time. And there's three essential timelines i think it's one when he's seven one when he's 13 and then the present time yeah uh, so we start out with the one where he's seven and that's when you find out that he he has an absent father uh he's living with his mom who's like fixing a car here in the opening scene and, yeah <laughs> and she's she's wearing a mechanics outfit <laughs> she has her own mechanics outfit just to work on the car yeah to fix the car, and I'm like, uh, nobody owns a mechanic outfit except a mechanic, but okay, go, I was like, whatever. The whole point is to show that the dad is missing. 
Yeah, dad's missing and she's working on the car and she's got a greasy rag and a onesie that's zipped up that probably says like Bob on the name tag or something. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's he's weird. bent over just randomly ratcheting bolts in the engine that probably don't really exist and stuff. So Well he asked Evan asked her to come to his show and tell that night or whatever, meet your meet the parents and so she goes to this uh, school meeting to to meet his teacher and meet his class. And his teacher, her te- yeah, his teacher pulls her to the side and says, I wanted to show you this scary drawing that Evan has been doing, which is a picture of him stabbing and killing two men. Uh, it's, it is kind of, kind of weird for a, a young kid to be drawing this. Yeah, and one of them, doesn't one of them have like a Nazi symbol on his arm or something like that? Yeah, we get a call back to, to this picture later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, so I... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I didn't connect that, but yeah. Uh, maybe he's like the first Antifa member ever. Maybe. But the, <laughs> the the teacher is highly concerned, and his mom is too, and so that prompts them to take him to a psychiatrist to get an MRI done on his brain, a CAT scan, and they reference his father's illness. So his father is also at the same uh, psych ward as a patient. Yeah. He's completely insane. And, yeah, he's insane. So the solution to this problem for, for Evan is for him to keep a journal. He blacks out. He didn't remember writing or drawing that picture. And he's having these blackouts. He can't remember things. So the solution is for him to keep a journal and write down his, his day's activities, I guess. And then later revisit the journal to help him recover his memory. Mm-hmm. So we, we go to a different scene now, again, when he's seven. And here we get the intro to Kaylee and Tommy which is a, a brother and sister that are friends with Evan. It's mostly just Kaylee who's his friend. Tommy is uh, just there. Yeah, he's a psycho. Yeah, he's a psycho. And then we also <laughs> we meet their perverted dad, who this guy is the most loathsome creature in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's like she drops the kids off. And is like, thanks for watching it. Or drops Evan off. Is like, thanks for watching him. And so the kids are playing games or whatever. And the dad's like, yeah, I think we should go down the basement, do do our play, take our play to the scene in the basement. And then it cuts to a scene where they're in the basement uh, in front of a video camera that he's set up and they're pl- they're doing Robin Hood and he's like, "Ah, oh, this is where the the uh, main characters kiss, you know, like adults do." Yeah, he he makes them both take off their clothes. He's 7-year-old kids. Thank God the camera stays, you know, above their shoulders so we don't have to witness it, but it's just the idea of all awesome. And then Tommy's sitting on the steps, twisting the doll's a doll's head around and looking maniacally because, you know, he's witnessing this abuse and it's Evan and Kaylee that are being forced to do whatever. Luckily, uh, Evan blacks out for this part, so he doesn't remember what happens. Yeah. Uh, and again, with uh, they have a new solution now to his blackouts, and it is for him to meet his father. And the idea is that maybe if he sees his father and meets him, that he'll have some understanding and like won't have the parent, the removed parent is not their uh, syndrome thing going on that, that they think is causing these problems. So when he meets his dad, uh, everything looks cool for a minute or two. Then he blacks out. And when he comes to his dad is on top of him, choking him, telling him he has to die. He has to die. So it's the only way. Yeah. He's like, he has to die. It's the only way to save her. The guards of the psych ward murder. Evan's dad right then and there like did they not learn any uh 
techniques to subdue a patient. They just whack yeah. him over the head with a billy club and kill him. That's an, and I, I was like, man, that is a hell of a shot to the back of the head. Like somebody hits him in the back of the head and then he like blacks out on the ground. I'm thinking he's just knocked out. And then all of a sudden, all this blood is just pouring out by, uh, behind his face. And I'm like, no, no, he's dead. Yeah, and they show the funeral as the next scene, so it's it's pretty whack. Uh, they they kill Evan's dad right in front of him, so that's a good way to fuck the kid up for life. Yeah, talk about a backfire to that plan. Yep, and it shows that it backfired because we fast forward now to the 13-year-old Evan, who is this, uh, what would you, you call him, like a skater guy, a skater kid? I wrote down skater boy at B-O-I. B-O-I? <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, a, that's, oh, a, that's, an Avril, that's an Avril Levine reference. As a data skater boy, I said, see you later, boy. Yeah, he, he is a little skater boy, and he's smoking cigarettes with uh, Kaylee and Tommy. And but they, he's got a pretty cool style. I would have definitely rocked that style uh, when I was, you know, when we were coming up. Yeah, he's got the, uh, like, the long johns with the over shirt tee, you know, I don't van, know. Van, vans, he's wearing an independent trucks uh, skateboard t-shirt, so he's like a, yeah, he's definitely a skater boy. Yeah, he's got his uh, long hair kind of like curled outward by his ears. He, he's, a, he's a little skater, dude. Yeah, he looks like in about five or six years, he's going to be the lead singer for Incubus. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's, that's a good one. He does. <laughs> uh, they have a fourth friend that hangs out with them too, Lenny. Uh, this might be where we get introduced to him. He's a kind of pudgy, little redheaded guy, shy and quiet. I liked Lenny. I thought all three portrayals of Lenny were pretty good. Uh, okay, yeah. I, I was not a fan of the the older Lenny. I just was... oh, you didn't like the cult leader Lenny that <laughs> that dressed like a leader of a of a sex cult. Oh wait, what? Whenever he's in the later timeline, when he's happy and old, and he has the uh, the long flowing Fabio hair, and he's wearing like oh yeah, no, I didn't like any any of Lenny to be honest, except oh. for the kid. I, th- I thought the kid was alright. Yeah, the kid was good, but in this version, it's thirteen year old Lenny. They're all in the uh, Miller, is it? Kaylee and Tommy Miller. They're all in their basement, and of course, Tommy. Yeah, you know, they're just smoking cigarettes and having a good time, and of course, Tommy wants to be a shithead. And so he finds some dynamite that their father had in the basement. Why does his dad have dynamite in his basement? I mean, I don't know, but the guy, the guy's obviously an unsavory type. But, uh, yeah, it's a little random. So I'm going to say here, there, the reason I think this movie uh, affected me, especially when I first watched it, is when I was growing up, we had a neighborhood full of kids that were kind of bad and doing bad things. And at one point we got our hands on some explosive stuff and we did blow things up. We would throw firecrackers. We would set fires. And not only that, but there was a really mean, bad kid that hung out in the the same neighborhood. He would kill animals. He would, I mean, he would hurt the Mm -hmm. other kids, a total psycho. So, yeah, it struck a chord with me. This Tommy guy is as unrealistic as it seems to be. This evil as a kid, I've met a kid and kids like that, and yeah, I've been in groups where you're doing bad shit that could have horrible consequences. I was, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I had a, I had one specific person that I knew growing up that I placed as Tommy in my head, and I was like, yeah, this kid, this kid reminds me exactly of the person I'm thinking of. Yeah, that it's a very and I remember. Portrayal. I remember visiting you when I, when we were younger, and 
I remember how infatuated with fire and explosives you guys were. And I was like, Oh, this is weird. And I, it was kind of cool though. I mean, I was along for the, for the fun, but yeah, we, the whole neighborhood, we were just bad kids. I mean, we're, we just, uh, you know, I feel bad about it now, but like we would just destroy things and, you know, blow things up and it was all in good fun until you're an adult and you realize, Oh man, I'm just like fucking everyone else's life over by doing this. <laughs> yeah. All the adults in the neighborhood probably hated it, but whatever you guys were your kids. Yeah, we were kids. But in this case, they do fuck some shit up for the adults because, well, you don't, you don't see what happens, but they take the dynamite. They're going to blow up a mailbox with it. Uh, Tommy puts Lenny up to it because Lenny is the meekest of them. So he's not, you know, he's not going to say no. He gives him the dynamite and he, he goes to blow up a mailbox with it. And then Evan blacks out, and when he comes to, they're in the woods, and everyone is incredibly traumatized. Yeah, and they're, like, dragging uh, Lenny. Him and Tommy are dragging Lenny uh, through the woods because Lenny's, like, freaked out. Yeah, so you don't know what happens here as the viewer because Evan doesn't remember, but all you know is something really bad happened, and Lenny in particular is severely affected. Yeah. Though they do drop you a little bread cu- breadcrumb later on. The mother is like washing the dishes or something and she hears a news report. You don't even see I don't think you even see the the screen of the TV that she's watching, but they say a, yeah. an explosion has rocked the neighborhood and there's victims or whatever. Tra- yeah, a tragic event has unfolded and that what it looked like to be just vandalism and it's gone completely wrong or something like that. Yeah, but she doesn't know that they've that they've done this. Nobody knows that they did it. I don't think. No, except for them and Tommy in particular wants to keep it a secret. Whenever they're talking to the ambulance people, because the ambulance comes to pick up Lenny, he's so in shock from whatever happened. Tommy, I cut. See, I guess this is what you didn't like, but I liked it. Tommy's explaining to Evan's mom, "Well, we were just building a fort, and then Tom, uh, Lenny passed out." And we don't know what happened to him. Right, guys? And then he looks at Kaylee and, and Evan, and he's got this look on his face like he's just saying, you better shut the fuck up and not say yeah. anything or I'm going to kill you. Yeah, Tommy's strong-arming everybody pretty much. Yeah, he's really he's – uh, he's an intimidating little guy. And it's interesting that he's probably a full foot shorter than Evan. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's the smallest one too. That's the thing is like – and later in the scene, com- the scene coming up where he – gets in the fight with the kid at the movie theater. I'm just like, this little kid is a badass. Yeah, he is vicious. So after the uh, the mailbox incident, they, they go back to the psychiatrist to see what they can do, and they decide to try hypnotism. So this psychiatrist hypnotizes Evan, and he's trying to help him remember what happened during you know the explosion scene. And Evan gets these nosebleeds uh, indicating what's going to come soon for the adult Evan. Yeah. Uh, they, they come into play later on. But he's like almost, he's almost remembering what happened. Like he's starting to visualize it, but his brain is blocking it out and he's like starting to freak out. And then he starts getting this horrible nosebleed. And of course his mom freaks out and the doctor starts trying to pull him out of, uh, out of the hypnosis. And then he's laying on the floor of the bloody nose and he's like, what happened? Did it work? Did it work? Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't remember it at all. So it did work. Kind of. Yeah. Interesting fact, uh, my, my grandma, years ago, she was like a, a heavy cigarette smoker, and she went to a hypnotist, and she got hypnotized into never wanting a cigarette again, and she hasn't smoked to this day. 
Damn, I got to try that shit. Yeah, props to the hypnotist, right? Like, that's a good job, man. Hypnotists are cool. I want to I learn more about hypnotism because it seems really cool. It's pretty mystical and scary. It can be yeah. scary. Yeah. And speaking of scary, we have what could be, in some people's opinions, a very scary scene. I remember this scene was the one that sold me on the movie when I first watched it. I was like, oh, shit, this movie's going to be pretty good yeah it's gonna be cool so Mm -hmm. they're in the movie theater tommy's being an asshole he's throwing gummy bears at the back of everyone's head and and talking during the movie kaylee is very upset over whatever happened with the mailbox so she gets up and leaves evan follows her he talks to her he he confesses his love for her he says you don't even know how beautiful you are do you and i don't want to be i don't want to (laughs) yeah it is a smooth Smooth. line it's it's smooth for a middle school kid. I got to give him his props, you know? I don't want to be mean, but this girl is, she's got a horrible haircut. She's not in very pretty, and she's got her cry face on. <laughs> so, uh, Evan that's, is- what, <laughs> that's what makes her so beautiful, man. Like, that's what Evan likes about her, you know? It's like she's, uh, she's a vulnerable, good-hearted little wounded bird. Yeah, she's the wounded bird for Evan. And so he makes his move, and he, he consoles her and kisses her. Unfortunately, Tommy walks out at the same time and sees him kissing her, and he gets pissed off. He's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? And he, he goes to kick Evan's ass, but he's saved by this teenage passerby who sticks his leg out and trips Tommy as a prank. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we really see how much of a psychopath Tommy is. Yeah, he, he falls on the ground. He gets that like psycho look, and he's looking up at Evan. He's like... Oh, I'm gonna kill you. But it, no, he doesn't gonna go after Evan. He goes after the kid that tripped him. Yeah, he, he picks up the pole that holds those, uh, what are these things called? Like a divider that's got like the, the strap that stretches out. Yeah, those movie theater dividers where you can stand in line and they have them at theme parks and stuff. But he picks up the pole yeah. that's holding one of those, drills the dude in the nose with it, <laughs> yeah. which probably would have <laughs> killed him. Yeah, it's a pretty effective shot. Like he he grabs it and just launches it upwards into the guy's face, and, and like a javelin, like up into his head, and then gives him a huge right haymaker and knocks him <laughs> down and like starts kicking the shit out of him. Oh, and I'm just he like, beats this guy's ass, and this kid's probably 18, uh, 17. Yeah, the kid looks like he's like well, I, mean, I don't know, he's like yeah, sixteen, seventy maybe. He's like he's still in high school or whatever, but. It, He's older than Tommy, and Tommy's just picking him apart. Yeah, Tommy's easily half his size, and Tommy just le- levels this dude. He probably did some serious damage. He could have even killed him with the damage he does to this guy. With that pull shot, I would say so. Yeah, so he gets dragged out of the theater, and he's got this maniacal look, and he's looking at Evan and Kaylee as he's dragged out. So this is the scene now where the mom sees the news report and she tells Evan that they're moving after she picks them up from the movie. So they have to leave town. I think she knows that Evan was somehow involved in this horrible tragedy involving the explosives, and they have to get out of there. There's a, another horrifying scene right before they get the chance to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evan says to Lenny and, and Kaylee, hey, let's go hang out one last time or whatever, and they go to play in the woods, they see smoke. Yeah. Right. Like right after, like, like poor Lenny's still just torn apart and he's like half freaked out in his house and they come sneak in the window and are like, Hey, you want to get out of the house? And Lenny's like, uh, okay. 
And it's like, yeah, let's just immediately take him on another horrible adventure here. And this one is not quite as bad as what we'll find out happened with the mailbox, but this is horrible. So they, mm. they follow the smoke and they go to this junkyard where Tommy has taken Evan's dog, Sprocket or something. What was his name? Rocket? Sprocket? Rocket, yeah, something like that. Yeah. This great little dog. It's like his cute little terrier. He's, put, he's tied him up in this sack and he's got uh, lighter fluid. He's now doused the dog in and he's got a burning stick. So he's going to burn Evan's dog alive for kissing his sister. A just retribution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's totally fair, I guess. But Yeah, and it's like horrible. We see him tie the dog up in the sack, and the sack's all shaking around. The dog's in there, and he's dousing it with lighter fluid. Uh, it's just it's just horrible yeah, to watch. It's very grim. So Evan and Kaylee charge at Tommy, and Tommy swings uh, one of the two-by-fours he sees laying around at, at Evan. He ends up knocking out his sister, and then he beats Evan's ass with it. And Evan blacks out again. Yeah. Uh, when he comes to, he sees the smoldering remains of Rocket or Rocket. A pretty inconvenient time to pass to black out too, because I mean, you're getting ready to get right into a fight, and then all of a sudden you black out, and he's just like, "Well, now I can just beat you into a pulp." And he does. And the only other thing to note about this scene is, after the dog is found burnt to death, Lenny is somehow even more traumatized. And he's mm. unable to move. But he says he couldn't cut the rope. So he tried to say yeah. Sprocket, but he was unable to cut the rope. Yeah. And then Evan moves away. So that's the uh, last we'll see of 13-year-old Evan for a little bit. And we move. Finally, we get some Ashton Kutcher in the story. Uh, besides the opening scene, he's, as the lead character, they, he's out of the first 30 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. It takes a minute to get in. So he's a college psych major. Seemingly, he's pretty happy, successful. He's he's a teacher's pet, it seems yeah. like. He's smarter he's, than everyone he's, else. He's super smart. He's, like, studying worms and their memory and something like that so he can try to figure out his own memory and how to, how to work it. But it, the one thing that pissed me off is, like, he's really, really smart, except it's still just Ashton Kutcher being, like, that 70s show dummy Ashton Kutcher for the most part. Yeah, he doesn't like, seem like an intellectual type. Yeah, his facial expressions and everything are still just like that same character from that 70s show. (laughs) Yeah, it it reminds me of the Always Sunny episode where they give Charlie the uh, placebo pill. They tell him it's going to make him smart, and so he starts acting really smart, but but he he actually isn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like that. But we also also get introduced to his roommate, Thumper. That's Ethan Suppley's character. And he's always just having sex and smoking weed and being Evan's boy. So he's just a great roommate. Yeah. And he's absolutely huge. Like, he's this huge, girthy, goth guy. And he's got these, like, super sexy, hot, kinky women in there having sex with him. And I'm just like, should I have gone goth at some point? Is this, like, uh, is it much easier to pull, pull hot women in the goth world? I don't know. Yeah, it really works for him. And you're right about how big he is. He's at his biggest that we've seen him yet, I think. He must be pushing 400, 450 pounds here. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, is, he's huge. Yeah, he's, he's a bulky dude. Uh, so they, they're hanging out all the time. They're good friends. Evan's very successful. He's so successful that he brings a girl home from the bar one night, and she starts looking through his journals, and he's like, whoa, whoa, uh, let's, not, let's not get involved with those. You know, I, I guess he hasn't touched them since these memories happened. 
Yeah, and then he and once he starts like reading, she's like, "Oh, read me one." He starts to read it, and the words start to like shake, and that's how we know he's about to go into he's about to go into the past and and stuff. That's that's how he transports himself to and from the past. Yeah. So the way he's able to alter time is by reading these journals, transporting himself to the past, and it's now his adult mind that is in his child body. And so he's able mm. to alter these events. Now, we'll just have to ignore the fact that the butterfly effect is a real thing. And every event would change everything about history almost. But in this yeah. movie, it seems to just alter the timeline of he, is, he and his friends. Yeah, just a few specific things. And, and a lot of stuff is similar. It's just the characters get rearranged. Their, their character traits get rearranged. So when he reads this, he... he I guess falls asleep in, in the present day, but we're transported back now to the dog scene again. And that's where you find that, that Lenny failed to save Crockett. It was, his name was Crockett. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's right. And, and we find out that Lenny is traumatized for life because of this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's only revealed because he read the journal. So that, that's how you find out, I guess, that, that Lenny couldn't cut the rope. So now, with yeah, this... it does, and he doesn't alter anything about the past at this point, right? No, he's just observing, though he does now decide to go see Lenny because yeah. he, he hasn't seen him since he moved away. And so, the college age Evan decides to go see the reclusive and insane Lenny at his mom's house. This scene is quite scary, I think. <laughs> I don't think it's scary, it's just it's creepy, but it's not, yeah, it's not. Scary. I, I don't know. He, he, the 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 part the part where Lenny kind of explodes and says some shit is kind of like, oh, that catches you off guard. But well, it's just one... creepy. It's just creepy because he's got all these model airplanes hanging around. All he does is sit there and paint the model airplanes. And Evans trying to talk to him, and Lenny's just ignoring him and not saying anything. Yeah, Lenny won't look up from his model airplanes. He barely answers Evan when Evans like, "Hey, do you remember me?" But at one point. Lenny says the line that I always remember. It's the one thing that I always remember from this movie. He says, drop it or I'll slit your mother's throat in her sleep. And I didn't realize the first time I was watching it, he's quoting someone else when he says that. I thought he was telling Evan to drop it, like don't bring up the past. So it was a little bit scarier thinking that. But in in fact, he's actually quoting something that Tommy said to him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I wanted to point out is, before we get on with that scene is whenever uh, Evan wakes up from reading the journal and his date sitting there beside him, she mm-hmm. says, do you fall asleep on all your dates? Don Juan. <laughs> nice little call back to our last movie. Yep. Little call back I, to I Don wrote, Juan. I wrote down, man, what a perfectly good waste of a great fling because that girl was smoking hot. And I mean, it doesn't look like he has trouble getting hot girls, but man, if I'd have got her back in my dorm room and then passed out, I would have never forgiven myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, she, she was pretty decent looking, not the kind of girl you want to have a nosebleed and pass out around probably. Yeah. No. So uh, now, now college Evan is starting to realize that he can revisit these things and potentially change them. So he decides to revisit the day that they blew up the mailbox. And here we find out what really happened when the dynamite exploded the mailbox. And that is that they killed a woman and her baby. Mm-hmm. This is the scene I remember most of the movie. Like, the well, first time I watched it, I remember this because the mailbox is like a nice 
house. It's like the mailbox is, is a picture is like a, a model of the house. And they put the, uh, they lift up the roof to put the dynamite in there. And then the woman comes home and she comes back and she starts to walk in the house. And then she's like, Oh no, let me check the mail. And I'm like, no, don't check the mail. Yeah. There's a stick of dynamite just uh, about to explode in her mailbox. And she, she walks over to check the mail it, and it gets completely decimated and blown up by this huge stick of TNT with, with her baby. With her baby in her hand. So we're assuming her and the baby just got blown to smithereens. Yeah. And they all run off into the woods except for Lenny, who's just completely taken aback. See, this is the Lenny. This is my favorite Lenny is the 13-year-old Lenny. He's a, he does a good job, I think, of selling the shock of what just happened. Yeah, that's my favorite Lenny is definitely that Lenny, too. The other Lenny is an actor that I've seen play other stuff, and every time I see him, I think, oh, wow, this is not going to be a good movie because this guy's in it. <laughs> He's got a very distinct look. Yeah. Uh, but the young Lenny sells it as shock, so they blew up and killed a woman when he was young. And now Evan is fully aware of what happened. He had blacked out, but now he, he revisited it with his journal. Mm-hmm. So he takes his mom out to dinner, and he asks her some questions about his father's disease, and he mentions that at one point his dad said he could time travel and alter the timeline. And so we, I guess the general point of this is to find out that it's a curse that this family can do this, and it's genetic. Mm-hmm. So it's passed. Down. So now, yeah, so now, the, yeah, the important part is that we figure out not, not just that his dad was insane, but his dad had the same ability that he has. So that's what his dad meant whenever he was choking him. And he said, this is the only way is I have to kill you. Yeah. It's, it's revealed a little bit more clearly later, but that's, that's what they're going for here. The dad didn't hate him and his dad wasn't completely insane. Maybe it's that he had to kill him. So the time traveling gene or curse could stop. Yeah. And to save either to save his mother or the girl, I think it was to save, I think it was to save Kaylee maybe, but I'm not sure. Well, in, in this next scene, Evan is now fully immersed in, in revisiting these blackout moments. And he realizes he, he can get involved in the scenes and do things. So they go back to the pervert scene with Kaylee and Tommy's dad. He says one of the worst lines in the movie right before it goes to this. Ethan Supley says, uh, Thumper, he says, are you sure you want to be messing around with this, uh, stirring up all these bad memories? And Ashton Kutcher's delivery here is so bad, I think, when he says, you think you know me? I don't know me. <laughs> uh, okay, just looking out for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, so bad. I, I didn't like <laughs> that at all. He, he says something to the effect of, maybe your memory is repressing these things for a reason. <laughs> yeah, when he, when he revisits the scene, it's well, actually, he, does he go to the scene here, or does he go to see Kaylee first and see how she ended up? Um, I think I'm not real sure. I th- I thought this was when he goes back to change his uh, uh, Kaylee's dad stuff. Okay, yeah, he doesn't go back yet. First, first he goes to visit uh, the the present day Kaylee. Who oh he, yeah, that's right at the diner. Yeah, he hasn't seen her since they were 13. He goes to see her. She's now a sad diner waitress. <coughs> uh, she's getting her ass grabbed by the patrons, and you know she doesn't seem very happy with his her life. Yeah, worst situation in the world. Like, she's she's serving at this uh, diner. She backs up. She knocks over a plate of dishes. And then while as soon as she bends over to clean it up, one of the customers reach around, reaches around and grabs her by the ass. And her boss is yelling at her, going, 
can we ever have a day where you don't break something? Get back there, you idiot. And I'm just like, oh, oof. They, <laughs> I might have overdone it here a bit. Yeah, tough day at the office. But she actually, in a, in a different <clears throat> timeline, has an even worse fate than this. But that's a little bit down the road in the movie. In this case, she's happy to see Evan at first. But then she uh, she gets kind of pissy because Evan keeps bringing up the uh, the perverted things that her dad used to do. And, and she's like, well, why'd you leave? You know, you left me and left me with him. And, you know, I moved out when I was 15, but I had all those years of abuse from him. And long story short, she gets pissed at Evan. She storms off. And then Evan gets a phone call that night from Tommy saying that Kaylee has killed herself. It, to me, it struck me as pretty surprising because I was thinking, wow, all it took was one visit from him. And he was not being like, he was just trying to be helpful, I guess. And she just flies off and ends up killing herself out of nowhere. Uh, something about Evan really set her off. I guess seeing him so happy and successful when she was so fucked up and, and hated her life, she, uh, yeah. she she killed herself. Yeah, and then Tommy lets him know, yeah, she told me all about what you guys talked about, and then she killed herself, and now I'm going to kill you. Yeah, you're dead. She's dead, and now you are too, and he hangs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't get to that because now is when Evan resolves not only to go back to the past, but to change the past and provide a better future for his friends, Lenny and Kaylee. Yeah. Now is when they go back to the pervert scene, and this is the college-age Evan speaking through the seven-year-old Evan. When he gives a pretty awesome speech, too. Yeah, he gives an awesome speech, but he overuses the word fuckbag. And also, they make his voice ah, sound very distorted. Man, that's what I should have called you. And I'm here with my fuckbag friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they use fuckbag so many times. Ah, yeah. He even says later on, he's like, oh, fuckbag has a real effect on you, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. Oh. It's just, you no. just keep saying it. <laughs> it. It doesn't really, but if you like the word, go ahead and keep using it, kid. He calls the dad a fuckbag several times in the scene. He threatens him and he says, don't ever touch Kaylee again or else I'll call uh, Child Protective Services on you. And the dad's just flabbergasted. He's like, how are you doing this? And long story short, he leaves Kaylee alone for the rest of her life. So when he wakes up from this uh, flashback into the past, he's now living in a completely altered present. Uh, he wakes up in the bed now with Kaylee. He's part of a fraternity. He's sleeping at her sorority house, and I guess he just had sex with her all night. He's waking up in this glorious bed. There's no bed like this in a sorority, right? Yeah, I don't think so. It looks like it looks like a, a nice house. I thought they were married or something when I first saw it, and then I realized they were in the sorority house. And yeah, I don't think sorority house houses are that nice but maybe they are who knows huh? i don't know but the sun is shining through the windows they've got white, be, white everywhere i'm gonna be 100 percent honest here and say i've never been inside of a sorority house i've never been <laughs> either <campus>. actually <laughs> off campus i was in one at, on campus one that was in like the halls of a, of a dorm but never never off campus i'm just gonna assume that it's not that nice it doesn't look that good in there mm. but he wakes up with her and Everything seemingly is pretty great. He's popular. He's got a lot of friends still. He's now in a serious relationship with Kaylee, who he's in love with. Uh, everyone's talking to him on campus and saying hi to him. Though Thumper, I will say, he asked Thumper what time it is. He sees him in the hallway, and Thumper's like, fuck you, frat boy. 
So he's yeah. uh, he's an enemy of Thumper in this version of the timeline. Yeah, he's sort of a douchebag. He, he like he. <clears throat> Yeah, it's like why I, I just I, that was my big thing is like why did they turn into complete douchebags? Because all they did was alter the timeline. It should have made it a little bit better, but instead it turned them into the like the assholes of campus or whatever. So. Yeah, they're the campus bullies. He and his friends, and though he really isn't, because I guess he's actually a good guy. Still, it's a little bit confusing. Well, but he is as himself now, but she keeps saying, oh, you're acting very different. And his frat buddies are expecting him to haze these guys. And he doesn't really know how, but then he kind of acts like a dick. And uh, it's just, it's just like, I think this character doesn't know how to act as the douchebag version of him would have acted. His frat buddy that's in a lot of these scenes is actually kind of funny. At one point he says something. He's like, Evan, keep it on the DL. Like, just the, the way he says his lines is kind of campy and cheesy, but it, it's funny. He throws some beer and, and a plunge's face at one point. Yeah. It's just mildly uh, mildly funny, I guess, from this guy, the supporting actor. Yeah. There's a really cringy scene where they're doing some things with some pledges, like they're hazing them, and he uh, uh, he busts out the Greek alphabet on him. Yeah, like Ashton Kutcher in this scene is just to me like, just, dude, pick pick one. Are you Are you – do you not know what you're doing or do you not know you, what you're doing, but you're faking like you know what you're doing? Yeah. So I, he, he starts out being very unsure, talking the pledge is going, so you, you'll go ahead and just do this. And and, and then a pledge mouths off, off to him. And so he has to all of a sudden be like, what'd you say to me? What'd you say? Alphabet, blah, 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 and names off the whole alphabet, and screams it at him and says something. And then he immediately goes back to just being, this nervous, unsure wreck. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, well, you guys go take a shower. I've got something for you to do for me tonight. And so he's going to put all these pledges to work for him. Uh, I, I thought that they maybe were going for, we're supposed to not like frat boys, and he's a douche. But also I thought maybe they were going for, this is the ideal timeline up to this point. So I don't know what the director was going for with this. Are we supposed to think that he's living a dream now and everything's great or that he's a total tool bag? Uh, I I got that he was a total tool bag, but maybe this was also like, yeah, the perfect timeline, except for we find out one character still is not doing that well. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're a frat boy type of guy, like you wanted to be in a frat, this probably would be the ideal timeline for you. You get to be the bully and have the hot girls and be popular. But for guys like you and me, it's like, oh, man, I would never want to – I would not want to be this guy. Like, what a, what a loser. No, yeah, we – both of us, I think, probably kind of despise, despise the frat life. So we didn't probably see it like that. But if you were a frat person, you probably were like, yeah, he's the shit now. Even his clothes, man, he's dressed like this Italian soccer player or something. It's so stupid. He's got a matching yeah, he hat looked, and yellow jacket. Yeah, he looks really dumb. Really bad. So, uh, yeah, they, he, he puts all these pledges up to uh, making this romantic evening for Kaylee. He, he takes her out on this romantic scene or whatever. They, they all built this little restaurant for him. But it's interrupted by his frat buddy who says, hey, man, we've been looking all over for you. Your car got trashed. And here we find out that though his life is great and Kaylee's life is great, Tommy has been in jail all this time or juvie. 
and he's out mm-hmm. now, and he wants to kill Evan for taking <clears throat> his sister. Yeah, and she didn't tell him about it. What the fuck was up with that? Yeah, how are you not going to tell him? She didn't mention it all, and she says something like, oh, I guess I should have mentioned that he got out. And he's like, yeah, it would have been nice to know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think as a couple, you guys probably should have talked about this, you know, if you both knew about his psycho brother that might want to kill you. Yeah, and Tommy leaves a dog collar on the trashed car to indicate that, hey, man, I'm the one that killed your dog. So Evan hasn't changed that timeline yet. The dog still got murdered brutally by Tommy. Mm-hmm. I also thought it was interesting that the reason that Tommy is such a psychopath is Kaylee says, my father never touched me. You know that. But he doubled his abuse for Tommy. So I guess by saving her from her father's abuse, the father instead just doubled down and is very mean to Tommy. Yeah, which we already know Tommy was pretty abused because there's no way a kid just turns out like that without being abused. Unless yeah. he's just unless he's just a born serial killer. Yeah, he's he's pure evil. And so they're uh, Kaylee and Evan are walking through the field, which is probably the last thing you should do whenever you think someone's out to kill you. They walk yeah. through this deserted forest. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, classic classic bad decision. Yeah, it's a bad decision. They're very slowly walking through and Tommy pops out from behind a tree. He threatens them, and then he ends up attacking Evan with a baseball bat. Uh, Kaylee, this whole time, is very annoying. She's like, he's not going to hurt you. And then Tommy just levels him with a baseball bat in the knees and just, like, knocks his ass down. It's like, well, obviously he is going to hurt me. He said he's going to hurt me. He has a baseball bat. He's hurting me. Yeah, he's hurting me right now. And (laughs) it's, it's disgusting because Tommy is like, You've got such a great life. Uh, you're in a frat. You're rich or whatever. You're smart. And you've got a great piece of ass, my sister. Like, that, why oh, yeah, yeah. To, he's what like, the hell? He's like, yeah, and if I say so myself, she's not a bad piece of ass, right? Yeah, what uh, a grief. What? But hey, it kind of matches the character because he comes from a home of, sexual, of sexually abusing father. So maybe, you know. Yeah. It's and, not that far out of bounds. I kind of like the actor that played the adult Tommy. I didn't think he did a bad job. No, I didn't think he was horrible. Like, he actually was kind of versatile, too. When he changes characters in the next timeline, he's kind of shows a little bit of versatility. Well, uh, luckily for Evan, he had grabbed some pepper spray before they left the dorm room. And so he whips out the pepper spray while he's getting his ass kicked, and he sprays Tommy in the face. <clears throat> he quickly gets the upper hand. He, he He's punching him. And I always remember this, too. He's like, this is for or you ruined Lenny's life. You killed Crockett, and now you're trying to kill me. Just fucking kill me. And he's like, he's like so shocked that Tommy's trying to kill him. He just can't believe it. Yeah. And, so he and goes, he's, still, he, he's yeah. still holding on, still holding on to, to Crockett. <laughs> yeah, he's super pissed about Crockett. So he, uh, he takes Tommy's bat or club from him, and he whacks him over the head as he's beating him, and he kills Tommy. Mm-hmm. So Tommy gets arrested by the campus police, and not Tommy, but Evan. Tommy's dead now. Yeah, uh, he gets arrested by the campus police, and he goes well, yeah, to jail. That's uh, number two death from bludgeoning weapon. So he just beats him in the face with that club and kills him. And, yeah, uh, in this world, a billy club is the same as a, a shotgun. Yeah, or a rock thrown by a hobbit. Yeah, yeah, a hobbit thrown rock. <laughs> It's a, it's a death. It's a death sentence. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he waxed he waxed Tommy, kills him, and in the next scene, he's in jail. Um, mm-hmm. Kaylee's super fucked up from this. 
But the the main takeaway here now that he's in jail is he no longer can access his journals, mm-hmm. so he can't go back and change what just happened. Yeah, so it's like, oh, he had a pretty good timeline, had kind of fixed it to where it was a little bit better, and now it's fucked up way even worse. And it's kind of a neat little interlude into a it becomes a prison movie, which is a, a whole subgenre of of movies. It's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he you meet the prison gang, it's like the uh the brotherhood in there, and then there's his cellmate who is somehow religious and a good guy, but he's in prison for life. Yeah, did you ever watch the show Oz? I saw an episode or two of it, but not enough of it to remember anything. Oh, man, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good uh, prison culture television show. Uh, and the funny thing about that I really liked about it is that, you know, the Allstate Mayhem insurance guy? You mean the guy from Whiplash? The, the guy that, yeah, he's, his, his, his name is Mayhem in the commercials. Yeah. Oh, He's like, you protect me from things like me, like Mayhem. And he throws himself through like a window or something. He's always like bandaged up that's not the same guy he's in oz yeah he's in oz as a main character and he's fucking great i thought you were talking about jk simmons the bald guy no i'm talking about the guy mayhem from the uh geico commercials okay well that's funny because jk simmons is also in oz and he is also in insurance commercials oh jk simmons is that the guy that has a really deep voice yeah the guy from Allstate. Allstate. yeah you're a good man I don't, I don't know. I'm not all caught up on my insurance commercial culture. <laughs> Come on. Get your shit together, dude. Anyway. Uh, the, the insurance commercials are some of the best uh, written and directed things in, in our time these days. They are. They're some of the better commercials, I will I will admit. All right. Whatever. Moving on. And moving on. Uh, he meets his cellmate and becomes friends with him, but he's got the, some bullies, the uh, the Nazi gang. They want to rape and beat him. So it's always prison rape. I get that the prison rape is a thing, but every single movie in a prison is prison rape, like prison rape. Yeah, it's it. I mean, then this prison is just like right off the bat. First thing, it's just like uh, it's not even about we're going to beat you up or, you know, you have a purpose to serve in our gang. It's like, yeah, we're going to fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I'm a, just like, it's a great pickup line he uses yeah i'm like is prison just this place where they're just as soon as you get in you just get raped right away or what your first day and also his mom indicates that he hasn't gone to trial yet and he clearly murdered tommy in self-defense i don't think they send you to prison i think you go to jail until you at least get your hearing yeah until you're until you're convicted but i'm thinking like you know three square meals and all the sex you can want not not a bad deal i don't think he wants any of the sex (laughs) Oh, okay. Maybe he doesn't want any of that. In fact, the pickup line that the uh, Nazi guy uses is he walks up and whispers, shit on my dick or blood on my knife. You choose. <laughs> oh, my that's God. Pretty. That's pretty disgusting. That is disgusting. Can, can you be like, neither? Like, those both sound terrible. <laughs> it's like, uh, see? They, they sound terrible for the attacker as well like who wants shit on their dick or blood that's, on their knife that's what i'm thinking like there's no good nobody's winning here no no one's winning <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like the line but anyway he tries to get protection from his cellmate carlos who says uh you know i'm not i'm not messing with the brotherhood sorry man you're on your own and so here is the biggest plot hole in the movie i think evan realizing that carlos is deeply religious he has to convince him that he has these magical powers and to help to have Carlos help him. 
so this is where they go back to the very first scene, or one of the first scenes we see Evan in, where he's drawing. Uh, we now learn that the, the drawing was of him killing his two antagonizing Nazi gang members. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so we're to believe here that the 20-something Evan goes back in time to the, to the time that he's drawing that picture and then actually takes the time to draw the entire picture while he's in the past as an adult. Why would he draw the picture? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That doesn't really make any sense to me, I guess. Because that's, I mean, the whole reason he goes back in time is to walk over to these spikes that are inexplicably sticking up in his kindergarten classroom and impale his hands on these spikes. Yeah, just so he can prove to this religious guy that he has the markings of Jesus and he yeah. can convince him <laughs> to yeah. help him. And that's the plot hole. So if he went back in time and impaled his hands on these spikes, then he would have had those scars on his hands when he entered the prison. He would have had them ever since then. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't doesn't really add up. And also, it's just like a quick trip to the past, and then he comes back, and all of a sudden, the the scars form on his hand, and you're just like, that's not how you've set up this world to work. Yeah, they should have already been there. It's, the the Carlos guy shouldn't have seen anything. It should have been like, yeah, you had those scars before, and now you still have them. What's your what's your point? Yeah, but it's funny that he takes the time to draw this really good picture artistically. He probably took him 20 or 30 minutes to draw that, and then he walks over and impales his hands. Well, I mean, time's of no essence to him. He can he can manipulate it, so he can go back and forth. Yeah, he's like, all right, I'm going to doodle and then impale. Might as, yeah, might as well finish my drawing here. And also, why did he have to call the teacher's attention to him impaling himself on these things? He, he calls yeah. the teacher's name. He's like, oh, Mrs. Johnson. And then he slams his hand down on the spikes. Just really. Yeah, we should. We should have an alternate timeline where Mrs. Johnson is now in the mental institution freaked out because she had to watch her kid do that. Oh, yeah, that's brutal. Well, I mean, as a teacher, you never want that, your seven-year-old yeah. doing that. Yeah, it would be scarring for life. But I, I no, didn't... No, no, no pun intended. I didn't notice the picture thing either. I didn't notice it was the Nazi guards or the Nazi uh, the gang the first couple mm-hmm. times I watched it. And then the, the last time I watched it, I was like, you know, they don't call back this picture. What's this picture all about? And I paused it, and I looked yeah. at the picture, and it's very clearly those two guys that are antagonizing. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It, it makes sense. But I, did, I definitely didn't pick it up during the movie either until you mentioned it. So. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I give him props for that. I like that. Yeah. Uh, so he gives himself the stigmata marks. <laughs> Carlos agrees to help him get back his journals. And it, it, his plan worked to perfection in terms of what he was trying to do. Yeah. So he goes to the uh, two Nazi gang members and he's like, well, guys, here I am. Should I suck your dicks now or later? <laughs> yeah. I got to join. I got to join a gang or else it's die, die or join a gang. So whip your dicks out boys. Yeah. So they, they whip them out and he gets down on his knees seemingly to suck their dicks. But instead he stabs one of them in the balls and then stabs the other in his chest or stomach. So uh, mm-hmm. he fulfills the prophecy of his drawing. Two well-deserving deaths in this movie. That's the that's two of the two of the better deaths in the movie. Yeah. Well, I think the one guy probably lived. The guy that got stabbed in the balls, he probably didn't die. But the other guy, I think he probably did. Yeah, maybe, man. Who knows? Anyway, I'd like to. Th- I like to think that they died. Yeah. Well, we'll say they died. Why not? 
Yeah. And Carlos comes in and he holds the gate against all the other uh, gang members that come in. Evan steals back his journals and frantically reads to uh, go back to the past. Yeah. And he chooses to go back to the dog scene yet again. That's what makes this so traumatic. You have to witness this dog squirming in the sack three again. or four times. Well, and also, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Why did he even waste time killing those dudes? You know what I mean? He could have he just gone back to this part before that and changed it all to, anyway. So Yeah, that's true. I, I guess he now wanted he's a little changed, revenge. And now he's changed the future again, and those two are still alive. Well, when he when he goes back in time to this scene, he's still in his twenty year old mindset for a second, and he says something like, "That'll teach you," or something. I forget what he says exactly. But he's like, "Burn in hell, fuckbags." So he he's talking to those Nazi guys. Best insult of the movie, fuckbags. Yeah, yeah. He, he calls them out one last time as a thirteen year old. But when he goes back in time, this time to the dog scene, he they're in the woods, and he gives Lenny a shard of metal from from this junkyard and he says all right you can use this to cut the rope and you can save crockett so i guess the point of this this time now is to go back prevent tommy from killing crockett and therefore prevent tommy from becoming a psychopath Mm -hmm. and trying to kill him later on yeah so uh instead what happens is Evan talks to Tommy. He convinces him that what he's doing is wrong. Tommy lets uh, the dog out, and he he changes his ways. But Lenny, like a dumbass, just walks up behind him and stabs him in the back. (laughs) Yeah, way to ruin it, Lenny. Good job, (laughs) Lenny. He stabs him in the back with this metal shard and kills Tommy. And this leads to the worst possible timeline for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, and in this timeline, we see a little montage that Lenny is completely insane now. He's, yeah, he's like tied down in a mental institution to the bed. He's tied down and just completely nuts. And uh, he says something to the fact of like, you you knew something bad was going to happen. You knew, you know, when you gave me that shard that I was going to, that something bad was happening out there. Yeah, he blames Evan for what happened to him, why he's. Uh, oh, yeah. Then he says, you should be here instead of me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you didn't like, I know you don't like this actor, but I thought he did a pretty good job as an insane person. He looks insane. Whatever. I mean, he looked, he looked stereotypically insane. It just wasn't, well, wasn't convincing. And uh, for Kaylee's part, they show like a quick montage of her hitching rides and leaving home. And she becomes a prostitute. You can, you can see. Yeah, and like, I'm, why is she so torn up over Tommy's death? Because Tommy was a fucker, man. Well, I guess she says something to the effect of like, the only person that I could like, I could talk to or relate to in that house. Yeah, it's, I mean, she's an only child now, and she had a sibling. So even though Tommy was a, totally fucked up, like it, you know, it it affected her deeply. Yeah, uh, and for Evan's part. His brain can no longer handle the trauma of all the timeline altering because every time he goes back and alters a a timeline, his brain gets this wave of information and new information and new memories. And that's what's causing his nosebleeds as an adult. Yeah. It's like he starts going, oh, oh," like we hear cracking going on inside of his brain and then he starts bleeding, his nose starts bleeding. So we can only assume he can do this so much before he's going to die. Yeah, he can only get away with doing this a few more times, and he's got to get it right. 
And that's just the start of it as, in terms of uh, the trauma his brain is undergoing with this. Mm-hmm. After Evan gets the diagnosis from the doctor that his brain is receiving this trauma, they don't know it's from time traveling, but he does. Uh, he, he goes to visit Lenny, and that's where Lenny blames him. And we find out Lenny is completely committed to the psych ward. And so his new strategy now is to revisit the scene where his dad attacks him. And he's going to use the knowledge he has now to try to talk some sense into his dad and get some answers from his dad on how he can change things for the better. So yep. when he, go- he goes to see his dad and he's like, hey, you know, how do I do this? What do I need to do? And the dad's like, there is no right thing to do. There's nothing you can do. You need to stop fucking with the past. Yeah, every time you change one thing, it fucks something else up. Yeah, everything you change messes up something else for you. And, and that's why he blacked out during that moment when he was a kid. Because that's a scene that the adult Evan invaded to try yeah. to get some answers from his dad. So I like that. They, they show you yeah, the that, point of that, that scene. That was something interesting as later that you realize the blackouts that he was having when he was a kid are times whenever adult Evan is coming back into his head. Yeah. So that, that's kind of a cool little thing that takes – they don't explicitly say – but it takes a little bit of like observing and figuring it out. And once he leaves uh, that scene, he goes to visit Kaylee, who's an adult now. And here's where we full on find out that she's a prostitute. And crack, you mentioned it. Crack whore Kaylee. Yeah, she's a total crack whore. The makeup was uh, a little bit over the top, but she did look scary. Yeah, she looked like a fucking crocodile human. She looked like she was smoking crocodile dust or whatever that shit is where turns people into scaly weirdo. How do you think she got that huge scar on her? Do you think someone cut her or do you think that's from Tommy hitting her with the two by four in the junkyard? Oh, that could have been from that. Cause I did notice in the, in the, the last shot where you see her get hit and she sits back up. She does have a huge scar on her face. Yeah. She's pretty uh, messed up from that two by four shot too. So she's yeah. super whack. Evan, somehow has the courage to talk to her. I would run away if I saw this hideous monster. Like, he, t- he takes her out to dinner, uh, to this diner, and, and they have a talk, and she blames him for everything, too. And She basically says, hey, if, if you don't like me as a prostitute, well, why don't you just leave or whatever? Mm-hmm. So she blames Evan. Um, Lenny blames Evan. And Evan knows that this is not an acceptable timeline at all. So despite the trauma, he's going to have to go back and change something else. Yeah. So this time he resolves to prevent Lenny from blowing up uh, the, the woman and her baby. And this will also prevent him from killing Tommy. And this will solve and this. This is the best timeline. If he was just not an egocentric prick, uh, this timeline would have worked out perfect. Yeah, this one ends up pretty good. So, so he goes back to that scene. He's like, we got to stop this. We got we to gotta break this up. Tommy runs out and tackles, which <laughs> you can't tackle a woman who's holding like a six-month-old baby. I, I understand yeah. he's trying to save her from the dynamite, but he tackles her and this baby to the ground, saving them. Uh, Lenny holds back Kaylee and saves her. Evan runs out into the street to prevent this explosion, and he instead is blown up and loses both arms and legs. Well, we don't know that yet. We just see him get like blown up, right? Yeah, that's true. And that's right. All of a sudden, 
all of a sudden he wakes back up in the co- in his college dorm, and instead of Thumper in the opposite bed, it's now um, Lenny. And Lenny is like rustling around under the sheets with a girl, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, would it be too too loud for you?" And he's like, "Oh, no, it's great." It's like, uh, "No, it's good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good." And then he goes to stretch, and he stretches his arms up over his head, but all he has is these two nubs because his arms got blown off. The CGI looks pretty good here. I thought. <laughs> yeah, you can tell it's CGI in the in like my, in the one that I watch. You could tell it's like he's wearing green screens on his arms a little bit, but. For the most part, it's it still looks pretty good. And then, but the fucked up part is that Kaylee is the one that comes out from under the bed uh, with under the covers, and she, her, and Lenny have now hooked up, and her and Lenny are a thing. So he is not with Kaylee in this scenario. Yeah, in this scenario, he lost his appendages, and Lenny grows up to be a great guy, a great Fabio wannabe, and Kaylee and he had fallen in love, and they are. Uh, call they're all college friends together he lives with evan and evan and lenny live together and and lenny and kaylee are now seriously dead. yeah and they're having a great life if he could just swallow his pride and then even tommy so we meet tommy and tommy's like the leading a christian organization or something like that right yeah well i've got to make a small argument he he does accept this timeline until something happens later on that makes him have to change it he, oh, yeah, because that's right, yeah. So uh, Lenny, I wrote down, looks like a, a charismatic cult leader. He's wearing, like, this white, long-sleeved... Have you ever seen the, the Tiger King documentary? Yeah. He looks like the mm-hmm. uh, the long-haired cult leader that, that dresses all in white. <laughs> uh, so that, that's Lenny, and, and he and Kaylee are together. Tommy is this cornball, like, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes member. He looks like a... He's jogging yeah. around like he'll take instead of walking three steps, he'll jog over and like punch you in the arm and say, "Hey there, Bucko!" And like, what's happening, buddy? Sport? Yeah, he's such a cornball. Yeah, and not only that, but he does. He now no longer has like a Brooklyn, New Jersey accent. Yeah, he he, lo- he loses <laughs> Which, the accent and picks up uh, the Ned Flanders uh, speech. Yeah. yeah. So he's a great guy. Everything's great for everybody except for Evan. Who decide? You know, he has a long talk with uh, Kaylee, and this is where Kaylee says, "Blah." <laughs> I, yeah. I pointed that out earlier. It's the worst line in the whole movie, but uh, they they talk, and he's like, "You know, I in another life you would have loved me," and she's like, "Yeah, but I actually love Lenny." And so Evan decides he can't live without Kaylee, and he tries to drown himself in a bathtub. But Tommy intervenes and saves Evan. And so uh, I think here is where Evan's like, all right, fine, man. I'll just, I'll be a paraplegic and you guys can all be happy. It's all good. But that's when we find out that his mom has not, not been able to cope with his injuries and has taken up smoking. And now, chain smoke. yeah. Yeah, she chain smokes and she now has uh, terminal lung cancer. Yeah. So now Tommy's just getting, a, or not Tommy, but Evan's getting a bit nitpicky about the past. Come on. Your mother's like, how old is she now? Come on. Uh, you like, st- you, can't fix, you can't fix everything, kid. Jesus, you fixed everybody else's life. Do the, do the adult thing and get your shit together. You got prosthetic arms. Life's not going to be that bad. Come on, man. Get your shit together. Yeah. I, this one was a bit of a stretch. Like, how does he put two and two together there that that one traumatic event made her take up smoking? It seems like this woman's been through some trauma. She might have mm. taken up smoking through any number of things. 
but he blames yeah. himself for that by getting blown up, and so he can't live with that. And he's going to have to go back in time once more. And I did not understand this at all. So he decides to go back in time and kill the pervert dad with the dynamite. Yeah, how does that? How's that going to change know. anything? I don't know. So, so he goes. Sounds like, sounds like Evans getting a bit loose with his uh, with just what he wants to go back and fix. Yeah, I don't know what he's trying to do here, but he goes back to the pervert scene again, and this time he gets the dynamite. He lights it. He starts walking toward um, Kaylee's dad. She, I guess he's going to kill him, or he's going to kill him. But instead, he drops it, and it rolls over to Kaylee, who, as a child, picks it up and gets blown up and killed. Uh-huh. And we know he's not going to deal with that timeline well. Yeah, he does not deal with this timeline well at all. Uh, we, we go to the present now after he's killed Kaylee, and he is so fucked up from this that there are no journals in this timeline. He's in the loony bin, and this gets us to mm-hmm. the original scene that we saw in, at the very beginning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knows in his mind that he's been time traveling and messing with this timeline all this the whole the whole way but in, in this version of the future there's no journals he's clinically insane and he's living a delusion that he's been able to do all this yeah and i know you expect me to come with Which, a theory that maybe this is what's really happening that's what i was waiting for i mean that's your mo i, I put together that myself i could have been like hey maybe this is the whole thing that's been happening the whole time and all this shit's been going on in his head. Yeah, I never, never got there. Like I, maybe it was just, uh, oh, okay. yeah. maybe it was too twisty for me, and I don't know. I felt like it was all very on the surface, and they were not you going just, for a deeper meaning. You, know? you just hate seeing the obvious, don't you? I guess it was too obvious. Yeah, I, I refuse to accept it. <laughs> it's got to be something that is completely not mentioned in the script for it to ballot for it to work as a conspiracy theory i mean i'm not coming up with these theories as a bit you know it's just they sometimes they hit me and this one it just wasn't believable oh my god Uh, that was like that was like i felt like they were lobbing you a watermelon in for like a batting practice pitch here and you were gonna smack that one out of the park no no i'm just gonna let it go ball (laughs) ball one ball one so uh also, the, the doctor mentions that his mind is permanently screwed up from all the time travel. I guess his brain is just hemorrhaging every single time he does it. And yeah, his it, brain's just ble- bleeding out. Yeah, he's, he's down to nothing. And it seems like there's no way out of it here for Evan. He's got no journals, so no way to access his memories and no way to alter the past once again. But yeah, he's now, he's now in the same situation as dad was, I feel like. Yeah, but he's very clever in a solution. He asks his mom to bring some old home videos uh, to him while he's in the psych ward, which she does. And that gets us to the scene at the beginning where he locks himself in that room and he views these old videos. And it happens to be a party where he first met Kaylee and her family. So he uses these videos to go back in time. And the solution is very simple. And I thought somewhat clever. I don't know what you thought about this. But he goes, he goes up to Kaylee and he says, I hate you and I want you and your whole family to die. When she's like seven years old. Wait, what? He says that to Kaylee? Did you watch the movie? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I just read a, a Spark Notes thing on it. Jesus. 
Wait, he says that to Kaylee? Yes, he walks up to seven-year-old Kaylee, and he says, I hate you, and don't ever talk to me again, or I'll kill your family. So she runs over to her mom. Crying. Why did he say that? I'm excited. Dude, what happens this next? This is the fucking ending of the Oh, my God. What is the matter with you? Wait a second. I thought he, like, this. I thought this was when he went back into the womb. I was... Oh, that's the alternate ending. What version did you watch? I must have saw the alternate ending, I guess. I only I downloaded it off of the internet, so uh, I don't know. All right, well, okay, well, I'll say both this versions. This great. Hold on. Maybe this shit movie ended way better than I thought it did. So in the alternate ending, since you spoiled it, he goes back to the womb where he is uh, inside his mother's belly, and he grabs the umbilical cord and strangles himself with it, uh, yeah. preventing <laughs> everything from happening, I guess. Versus preventing himself from being born, thus preventing the whole the whole shit to happen. Okay, that I didn't watch it. That's I, the I en- that's what. It. Yeah, that's what that's the ending I saw. Okay, well that's the direct. I'm pretty cut. sure that's. The, I'm pretty sure that's the ending I saw the first time too. So I don't think I've ever seen this alternate ending. This is great. What happens All in right. this other ending? So in the in the official theatrical ending, there's a picnic. Uh, that's where he meets Kaylee and her family. He goes to Kaylee as a child, and he's also a child, but he has the mind of an adult. And he walks up to her and he says, I hate you. Don't ever talk to me again, or I'll kill your whole family. So by doing this, she goes over to her mom crying. Somehow they decide that she should live with her mom, her and Tommy both. So she's saved from the trauma of her father, and so is Tommy. It shows in the montage that Tommy becomes the valedictorian of his school and he's given a speech. Kaylee is successful and lives with Lenny. Um, or no, she he does, I'm sorry, she doesn't live with Lenny, but she she never knows Evan, right? Mm-hmm. They never speak again after that. So she, yeah, I remember I remember seeing a montage where they run to their mother and her, their mother live in like this beautiful house that's like huge and nice. And I'm like, why weren't they living with her to begin with? Yeah, whatever he's by him saying that to her, that convinced them to live with her. Mother. Oh, she she does say she had chosen to live there because she wanted to be near Evan. Okay, yeah, with her dad. That's right. Yeah, and so by <clears throat> by Evan hating her, she lives with her mom instead and avoids all the abuse that her dad gave her. Yeah. So by saying this, uh, it saves the Miller family, Tommy and and Kaylee, and we go to the present now for Evan, who is again roommates with Lenny, and he he says. Lenny, do you ever think about Kaylee? And Lenny says, who's Kaylee? So Lenny never meets them either. Mm. So in the final timeline, it is a happy Lenny living with Evan, a happy Tommy, a happy Kaylee, and Evan, for his part, is a successful lawyer or businessman. And he passes the adult version of Kaylee in the street. They make eye contact, and they seemingly know one another. But they don't stop, they don't talk, and they don't speak. Wow. That's a lot brighter than the ending I got. Yeah, it's a very happy ending. Yeah, no, I like the ending that I saw better, where he just fucking chokes himself out (laughs) in the womb. Oh, God. I can't (laughs) believe you watched a different ending than me. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I had no clue. I've never seen seen this ending you're talking about, even when I watched it the original time, so... Uh, I think you watched the alternate ending. I watched the real one. Oh, you just lost the podcast because it was definitely the real one. But the final scene is... If I, if I gave a shit about this movie, I would fight this. But yeah, go ahead. I lost the podcast. 
the uh, one well not quite the final scene is him passing Kaylee in the street but in the scene before that Lenny and Tom Lenny and Evan are burning the journals and he's like I don't need these anymore I'm done with the past so he's done time traveling and uh, it's an acceptable timeline for everybody a a very good timeline except for he doesn't know Kaylee yeah which is kind of sad but it's a little bittersweet but it's a happy ending for everybody yeah and I was going to talk about the alternate ending, but that apparently is the version you watched. He chokes himself. That's yeah. You yeah. Go on, please. You please. tell me about it because I'd like to. I've never seen the alternate ending. I just read about it. He he chokes himself. Yeah. So in that end, in this ending, and the the alternate ending, he goes back in time, and his mother has mentioned prior that she had two stillbirths before him. So there were two kids that were supposed to, you know, be. Uh, um, born that that died in her womb before him, and she referred to him as her special baby. And then there's another scene earlier with a psychic way back when, when he's having dinner with his mother, and the psychic says, "You don't have a soul. You're not even supposed to be here. What are you doing here?" And she freaks him out. And so it turns out, like in this ending, he he figures out how to get back into the womb somehow, like remembering when he was born. It was the, uh, so he, the sonograph or whatever it's called. Not, that's probably not sonograph. Yeah. Yeah. The sonograph. So he goes back into the womb and they're like taking her down the hall and everything's going fine there. And they're, and all of a sudden she gets this horrible pain and we can kind of like see inside of her womb. The camera's like computer generated inside of her womb and there's a baby in there and that's Evan or whatever. And she starts getting these pains and we start seeing the baby slowly pulling the umbilical cords around its own throat and wrapping itself in the umbilical cord. Yeah. And the baby and it's playing. That's actually the only, the only time that the music was good because the music while this baby is choking itself out. (laughs) Really, really set the mood. You know what I mean? Is it like heavy metal or is it sad music? No, it's like, it's like sad, but it's just like, it's like the sad the sad like choral music as this baby is like wrapping an umbilical cord around its head (laughs) which the babies don't even have like motor functions fine enough i mean fetuses don't have motor functions fine enough for this but (laughs) which may be why they didn't keep it the ending but oh that sounds completely ridiculous yeah he chokes himself out in the womb the mother lives, and then that's the end. Like, the, the, the people, Kaylee, Lenny, Tommy, they now don't have to deal with Evan, who was, in fact, the reason for all their problems. Well, that's a very dark ending. And I, when I read about it on Yeah, it's way better. It's way better. My, I think the, ver- the version I watched was better, I think. No, this movie does not deserve a happy ending. It deserves a dark ending. All the dark shit that went on in this movie... We should get a good dark payoff. Oh, I'm I'm okay with that, but a baby choking itself with an umbilical cord just sounds stupid. Like you said, they can't even move their arms. Yeah, well, it's it's not like realistic or anything like that, but uh, it's the justice we needed for this fucking movie. I think. <laughs> so I'm getting the vibe that you didn't enjoy the movie really at all. Did I give that vibe off? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I'm gonna grade it higher than I want to. Because I, I, there are things that I like about the story. Like, it's a super interesting story, right? The whole story of everything is interesting. But that, like, the writing of it is interesting. The dialogue is not great in the writing. The acting is atrocious. Like, Ashton Kutcher uh, looks like a good actor. 
And that's only because everybody else around him is so bad. And then the direction, obviously the directing is just like whatever, because think of all the holes that we found in it. And just this, like if we watched it again, we'd probably find even more. Well, to be fair, time travel is so hard to pull off. It's that's true. I'll give, I'll give it that, but it's just like not even time travel, like infant, uh, babies wrapping the umbilical cord around their their head. You know? It was the director's cut, man. Come on. Yeah, that's the director. Okay, that's good. Good call, director. So, uh, yeah, it just it, it failed in every way except for the story, which is a supremely interesting story. So, uh, the story rates pretty high, and everything else just brings it brings it down. Well, don't give me your grade yet. First, let's get to favorite lines, if you have any. I have one favorite line and it came whenever he's at, he's talking to his professor in the classroom. Right. And like one of the first scenes he's talking to a science professor and he says something to him. And the, the professor says just some random line to the back. And then he's like, all right, and you all need to start, do this and this and that. And the, uh, some random kid in the back goes, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then the professor just smiles and is like, Oh, Whoa. and starts talking to Ev again. <laughs> and that is my only favorite line of this fucking shit show. <laughs> well, that's that's not the worst favorite line you've ever given. Uh, for, Home Alone, no, probably. for Home Alone, I've been meaning to call you out on this for a long time, but for Home Alone, what? your favorite line was like, hiya, pal. <laughs> hiya, pal. One of the wrongest... That's an iconic, so... that's an iconic line. It is I've not. Had... I've had people reference that uh, to me outside of the movie, so bullshit. Oh, whatever. That was so horrible. Hiya, pal. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not as good as fuck you. Yeah, fuck you is a good one. I've got uh, several. Well, not I've already said most of them for favorite lines, but there's a a somewhat endearing scene where Thumper just had sex with one of his girls, and Evan says, hey, let's go drink, buddy. I haven't had a blackout in such and such amount of time. And he like jumps on the bed on Thumper and starts weirdly like humping him, and <laughs> and Thumper says, "Be tender with me. I'm postcoital." Uh, I like <laughs> I like that one. Uh, that is a good one. I missed I missed that one. Yeah, it was a funny one. And then of course the line I said I remember every time is, "Drop it or I'll slit your mother's throat in your sleep." Oh which, yeah. Which is uh, what Tommy <laughs> said to Tommy said that to Lenny. Whenever Lenny was gonna cut open the bag with the dog in it, he tells him to drop the drop the shard. Uh, yeah. Well, I have one more that I just thought of from you bringing that up is when uh, um, Ethan Suppley's character, what's his name, Thumper. Yeah. When Thumper is in bed under the covers with the the first scene we meet him with the super hot blonde uh, BDSM chick, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna put my thumb in your ass." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, get it, Thumper, get it. Yeah, Thumper is the unsung star of the movie. You kinky son of a bitch. Uh, I had I had a couple more. I already mentioned uh, shit on my dick or blood on my knife. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a memorable line. And then I liked when yeah. uh, the frat boy homie, he tries to give Evan the, the, the test answers for a quiz they're going to take. And, and Evan says, are these the test answers? And he says, damn, Evan, keep it on the DL. Like just the way he says yeah, it is yeah. so weird. It's just like cheese, cheese ball. Yeah, and then the final favorite line I had is when he's uh, talking to the prostitute version of Kaylee, and he's like, "Well, what if I told you I know that you have a mole on your inner thigh?" 
And she says, anybody with 50 bucks could tell you that. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. very clever line from this prostitute, this crack whore. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I liked it, and I think I liked the movie a lot more than you. But let's let's get into the grades here, because I I'll go I'll do my grade first because I don't want to be influenced by your shitty grade this time. Okay, good. Well, this is good because if I rated mine too high, I can now lower it. Yeah. Well, I uh, I put this on par with a movie like The Program, which is a movie that is entertaining but not really good, and I I like it, and I liked it a lot more before but I can't really recommend it to other people that I know would like it. I know there's a certain set of people out there that are really into the dark, you know, the the dark aspect of this movie is what makes it so good for me, but it's not a great film and it doesn't, I don't know. It's definitely uh, well below some of the classic movies that we've reviewed so far, but it is, it is rewatchable for me. I would still watch it again. I probably will someday. And so because of that, you know, it, it had some plus sides and it had a great and intriguing story. And I thought they did the story pretty well. I'm going to give it a 13 out of 20 Rancid Tacos. Yeah. Yeah. And that is way too high because like the way you, the way you just set that whole thing up, I thought maybe you said, I can't recommend this to anybody. I thought maybe, okay, he's going below 10 because 10 is our rewatchable mark. And then you were like, yeah, and whatever. And <laughs> so then I thought it was going to be right above 10. And then you go three above 10. Oh, my well, God. Well, I put it the same grade as I gave the program, which I believe was a 13 out of 20. It's it's a movie that I'm admitting is more endearing to me than it will be to others. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So my, my rating is and, – and the first – like I said, the first time I watched this, I remember liking it and thinking, wow, what a cool movie. And thinking, wow, Ashton Kutcher's got such a great career ahead of him. Uh, and I think I was wrong about both, to be honest. Yeah, Ashton Kutcher's a weird one, man. Like, he goes from Demi Moore to Mila Kunis. Yeah, I, that's that's not weird to me. That's just that's just good. <laughs> that's just good job, dude. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at his prime, Ashton Kutcher probably could have had any woman in the country when he was like twenty one, twenty two. He was. The heartthrob of, of Hollywood. Like, Dude, Demi Moore was an experienced woman that was fucking oh hot as shit. God. Even She's still hot. You'd still fuck her. She's like I know 65, I dude, and he's like 20. I mean, it was yeah. it was a big age gap. I mean, she's not Brando and Don Juan hot, but she's hot. Oh, come on. Hey, what's your grade? Don't bring up Brando. My grade, all right, my grade is right below watchability because after watching this movie, I actually didn't take really thorough notes on it. And I almost thought about watching it again. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not, I'm not going to rewatch this movie. I'm just going to wing it. And so kudos to you for carrying this podcast through most of it, because you had a lot of remembering to do. And there was just periods where I was just like, hmm. Oh yeah, that happened. So then I'm going to give it just below watchability at nine out of 20 rancid tacos, because like I said, the story is really good. Like, I want to rewrite this story, and then I want to recast it, and then I want to direct it, and then I want to do the costume design and the makeup, because everything except for the story idea was absolute shit in this movie. Uh, I, I thought the execution was good. In ter- not the acting, but... The execution of what? The story. What are they ex- it's such a difficult thing to pull off, and they made it very simple to follow. Like... 
the way they're jumping on these timelines back and forth and back and forth and altering things, and they never confuse the hell out of me, really. I mean, I, I was impressed well, by that. All right. I mean, it definitely wasn't confusing, but it, yeah, I just feel like there, there's this movie had the potential to be such a better movie. Yeah, it did. And maybe if you'd have seen the proper ending, you would have given it a better grade. No, the way you described it, it does not sound like it. Yeah, it's actually funny because it's like this little kid going up to this other little kid and being like, you know, I'll fucking kill you. I hate you. Like, it, it's mildly funny. I don't know. And happy. It's it, You like happy endings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's happy. That sounds happy enough. It, it became happy. He just had to bite the well, bullet. The ending is happy, and you know I do enjoy a good happy ending. But this movie is not set up for a happy ending. I mean, think about thematically what we've been going through for this last hour and forty-five minutes. This should not end happy. Yeah, I mean, it it was a dark movie that did not deserve a happy ending, but it was it was somewhat uh, relief to see a little bit of brightness at the end of it. Yeah, I actually cried during the baby choking himself out scene. Did you? Yeah, I cried and I stood up and started clapping. <laughs> well, you were probably just happy that it was over. Exactly. I was like, thank you. You ain't coming back from that. Yeah. Well, this this movie, I'm going to say it, I enjoyed it. I like it, but it's not a profound movie. It's not something. We, yeah. We've probably spent too much time talking about this movie. Yeah, definitely. We've reviewed worse movies, too. So it's not the worst movie we've we've reviewed, but. Uh, but uh, I think I still, if you were to do the averages out, I still rate, rated it above Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so. yeah, Rotten Tomatoes really shit on this one. Which... Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 33%, 9 out of 20, that's what? Uh, that's like... 9 out of 20 would be 45%. Yeah, that's that's 12% higher than Rotten Tomatoes gave it. Yeah, so. 33 I think is the lowest grade that we've had so far. Yeah, that is the theme for the month. What we and we got coming up next uh, the Boondock Saints. Yeah, we're gonna prove and... that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't know shit because I remember liking Boondock Saints a lot. Everybody likes the Boondock Saints. We can't possibly watch this movie and think it sucks, could we? Oh, it's got Willem Dafoe in it, man. So it's gonna be hard. Oh to yeah, no, like. yeah, that's a win right off the bat. Yeah, finally we get the legend on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So next week will be uh, Boondock Saints. Honestly, I don't remember much about it. I think it's like an Irish gang, mob style. Yeah, it's it's Irish twin brothers, and they um, go back on a journey of revenge against a bunch of mobsters and other people. But but, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it 28% on the the tomato meter, yeah. How is that? Yeah, and the audience score is 91%, so... It's a fan favorite, but not a tomato favorite. Yeah, I don't understand that one, but it gives us a good opportunity to do the to do the review. So, yeah, here's the uh, tired of crime overrunning the streets of Boston. Irish Catholic twin brothers Connor and Murphy are inspired by their faith to cleanse their hometown of evil with their own brand of zealous vigilante justice. Yeah, well, we'll do that one. And I remember Willem dresses up as a woman half the time. Mm-hmm. Willem plays like one of the greatest characters ever in this movie, I feel like. All right. Well, that'll be next Just, week. And, and that's going to be uh, not only part of the series, but it'll be a little St. Patrick's Day special, maybe. Mm hmm. Yeah. Going to do a little the, pretty good timing on this release, I think. Yep. Well, that gives us a deadline. So we actually have to hustle it up through it uh, to get it out there. 
That's true. That's true. That's like two weeks. Well, I, I just have one question to ask you. What? Do you have anything else to add to this? The butterfly effect? Yes. Is there, is there anything else you want to say about the butterfly effect? There are a few things I want to say. Email us at Rants and Taco. The... No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you say it. Go ahead. Email us at Rants and Taco Podcast at gmail.com. I also wanted to add Hail Payman. Hail Mary. Moss. Moss. <laughs> and Hail Melkor. And Hail Brando. No, nope. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> what? Um, Wait. Come on, buddy. I thought I was going to throw that one in there and you were going to agree with it and be like, oh, yeah, hail Brando. No, I'm not hailing that big tuna fish, man. We're talking, I mean, out of the four of the three others that we mentioned, he's the only, he's the movie deity of all those. No. Well, yeah, I guess none of the other ones are in movies, but. Nine out of ten actors agree. How about. Brando is good for your health. How about hail Defoe? Yeah, I like Devo. I'll hail Devo. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hail too many people, so let's just stick with with. with yeah. Payment. So let's just. Yeah, we'll just stick with Brando and call it a day. All right. You you hail Brando. I'll hail Payman, and we'll see. Hail Brando. We'll see who has the better week. <laughs> All right. Your your hail your hail uh, is dead. My hail was living eternally. Your hail like didn't even ever live. I don't think. Yeah, he's still except through except through. Except they're like uh, nerdy little boys. No, he's wandering around high school right now. He's just experiencing the world through fresh eyes. Yeah, he looks like he's going to uh, be the lead singer of Incubus in seven years. <laughs> that's, yeah, <laughs> that's two That's two people that you've said are going to be the lead singer. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> nice. exactly. Nice. Right. Two for two. Yeah, whatever happened to Incubus, I really liked them whenever they, they were in their prime. Well, yeah, meet me in outer space. Do they still make music? I do not think so. Yeah. Do you know they were really hard before they got they got like uh, they into their like spacey feel? They were like uh, they were a hard harder band. Yeah, I like the spacey music better. I think. Yeah, listen to listen to New Skin. Their their original one of their first songs, New Skin, which is a great song. I like it a lot, but it's really hard. Yeah, I'll, I'll put that on the old Spotify list. All right. right underneath this podcast. Yeah, I might even listen to that one first. Yeah. Oh, it's a lot shorter, that's for sure. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, did you have anything else you wanted to add about the butterfly effect? Yes. All right. Oh, should I, should I add it? No. No, don't add it. Fuck it. Just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll sleep. In that case, then, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next week. See you then. See you then.
Everyone loves movies from Webster to Morocco. Who needs rotten tomatoes when you've got the rancid tacos? This podcast is brought to you by West Virginia Pepperoni Rolls.